Section two of Honey Bee by Anatole France, translated by Mrs. John Lane. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter five, which tells how the Duchess took Honey Bee and George to the Hermitage, and of their encounter with a hideous old woman. That morning it was the first Sunday after Easter the duchess rode out of the castle on her great sorrel horse while on her left george of blanchelande was mounted on a dark horse with a white star on his black forehead and on her right honeybee guided her milk-white steed with rose-coloured reins they were on their way to the hermitage to hear mass soldiers armed with lances formed their escort and as they passed the people crowded forward to admire them and indeed all three were very fair to see under a veil of silver flowers and with flowing mantle the duchess had an air of lovely majesty while the pearls with which her coif was embroidered shone with a soft radiance that suited the face and soul of this beautiful lady george by her side with flowing hair and sparkling eyes was very good to see and on the other side rode honeybee the tender and pure colour of her face like a caress for the eyes but most glorious of all her fair tresses flowing over her shoulders held by a circlet of gold surmounted by three gold flowers seemed the shining mantle of her youth and beauty the good people said on seeing her what a lovely young damsel the master tailor old jean took his grandson peter in his arms to point out honeybee to him and peter asked was she alive or was she an image of wax for he could not understand how any one could be so white and so lovely and yet belong to the same race as himself little peter with his good big weather-beaten cheeks and his little homespun shirt laced behind in country fashion while the duchess accepted the people's homage with gracious kindness the two children showed how it gratified their pride george by his blushes honeybee by her smiles and for this reason the duchess said to them how kindly these good people greet us for what reason george and what is the reason honeybee so they should said honeybee it's their duty george added but why should it be their duty asked the duchess and as neither replied she continued i will tell you for more than three hundred years the dukes of clarides from father to son have lance in hand protected these poor people so that they could gather the harvests of the fields they had sown for more than three hundred years all the duchesses of clarides have spun the cloth for the poor have visited the sick and have held the new-born at the baptismal font that is the reason they greet you my children george was lost in deep thought we must protect those who toil on the land and honeybee said one should spin for the poor and thus chatting and meditating they went on their way through meadows starred with flowers a fringe of blue mountains lay against the distant horizon george pointed towards the east 
is that a great steel shield i see over there oh no said honeybee it's a round silver clasp as big as the moon it is neither a steel shield nor a silver clasp my children replied the duchess but a lake glittering in the sunshine the surface of this lake which seen from here is as smooth as a mirror is stirred by innumerable ripples its borders which appear as distinct as if cut in metal are really covered by reeds with feathery plumes and irises whose flower is like a human glance between the blades of swords every morning a white mist rises over the lake which shines like armour under the midday sun but none must approach it for in it dwell the nixies who lure passers-by into their crystal abodes at this moment the bell of the hermitage was heard let us dismount said the duchess and walk to the chapel it was neither on elephants nor camels that the wise men of the east approached the manger they heard the hermit's mass a hideous old crone covered with rags knelt beside the duchess who on leaving the church offered her holy water accept it good mother she said george was amazed do you not know said the duchess that in the poor you honour the chosen of our lord jesus christ a beggar such as this as well as the good duke of roche noise held you at the font when you were baptized and your little sister honeybee also had one of these poor creatures as godmother the old crone who seemed to have guessed the boy's thoughts leaned towards him fair prince she cried mockingly may you conquer as many kingdoms as i have lost i was the queen of the island of pearls and the mountains of gold each day my table was served with fourteen different kinds of fish and a negro page bore my train and by what misfortune have you lost your islands and your mountains good woman asked the duchess i vexed the dwarfs and they carried me far away from my dominions are the dwarfs so powerful george asked as they live in the earth the old woman answered they know the virtue of precious stones they work in metals and they unseal the hidden sources of the springs and what did you do to vex them asked the duchess on a december night said the old woman one of them came to ask permission to prepare a great midnight banquet in the kitchen of the castle which vaster than a chapter house was furnished with casseroles frying pans earthen saucepans kettles pans portable ovens gridirons boilers dripping pans dutch ovens fish kettles copper pans pastry moulds copper jugs goblets of gold and silver and mottled wood not to mention iron roasting jacks artistically forged and the huge black cauldron which hung from the pot-hook he promised neither to disturb nor to damage anything i refused his request and he disappeared muttering vague threats the third night being christmas this same dwarf returned to the chamber where i slept he was accompanied by innumerable others who pulled me out of bed and carried me to an unknown land in my nightgown 
such they said as they left me such is the punishment of the rich who refuse even a part of their treasure to the industrious and kindly dwarf folk who work in gold and cause the springs to flow thus said the toothless old woman and the duchess having comforted her with words and money she and the two children retraced their way to the castle chapter six which tells of what can be seen from the keep of clarides it was one day shortly after this that honeybee and george without being observed climbed the steps of the watch-tower which stands in the middle of the castle of clarides having reached the platform they shouted at the top of their voices and clapped their hands their view extended down the hillside divided into brown and green squares of cultivated fields woods and mountains lay dimly blue against the distant horizon little sister cried george little sister look at the whole wide world the world is very big said honeybee my teachers said george have taught me that it is very big but as gertrude our housekeeper says one must see to believe they went the round of the platform here's something wonderful little brother cried honeybee the castle stands in the middle of the earth and we are on the watch-tower in the middle of the castle and so we are standing in the middle of the earth ha 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 and indeed the horizon formed a circle about the children of which the watch-tower was the centre we are in the middle of the earth ha 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 george repeated whereupon they both started a-thinking what a pity that the world is so big said honeybee one might get lost and be separated from one's friends george shrugged his shoulders how lucky that the world is so big one can go in search of adventures when i am grown up i mean to conquer the mountains that stand at the ends of the earth that is where the moon rises i shall seize her as she passes and i will give her to you honeybee yes said honeybee give her to me and i will put her in my hair then they busied themselves searching for the places they knew as on a map i recognize everything said honeybee who recognized nothing but what are those little square stones scattered over the hillside houses george replied those are houses don't you recognize the capital of the duchy of clarides little sister after all it is a great city it has three streets and one can drive through one of them don't you remember that we passed through it last week when we went to the hermitage and what is that winding brook that is the river see the old stone bridge down there the bridge under which we fished for crayfish that's the one and in one of the niches stands the statue of the woman without a head one cannot see her from here because she is too small i remember 
but why hasn't she got a head probably because she has lost it without saying if this explanation was satisfactory honeybee gazed at the horizon little brother little brother just to see what sparkles by the side of the blue mountains it is the lake it is the lake they then remembered what the duchess had told them of these beautiful and dangerous waters where the nixies dwell we will go there said honeybee george was aghast he stared at her with his mouth wide open but the duchess has forbidden us to go out alone so how can we go to this lake which is at the end of the earth how can we go i don't know it's you who ought to know for you are a man and you have a grammar master this piqued george who replied that one might be a man and even a very brave man and yet not know all the roads on earth whereupon honeybee said dryly with a little air of scorn which made him blush to his ears i never said i would conquer the blue mountains or take down the moon i don't know the way to the lake but i mean to find it george pretended to laugh you laugh like a cucumber cucumbers neither laugh nor cry if they did laugh they would laugh like you i shall go along to the lake and while i search for the beautiful waters in which the nixies live you shall stay alone at home like a good girl i will leave you my needlework and my doll take care of them george take good care of them george was proud and he was conscious of the humiliation with which honeybee covered him gloomily and with head bowed he cried in a hollow voice very well then we will go to the lake chapter seven in which is described how george and honeybee went to the lake the next day after the midday meal the duchess having gone to her own room george took honeybee by the hand now come he said where hush they crept downstairs and crossed the courtyard after they had passed the postern honeybee again asked where they were going to the lake george said resolutely honeybee opened her mouth wide but remained speechless to go so far without permission and in satin shoes for her shoes were of satin there was no sense in it we must go and there is no need to be sensible such was george's proud reply she had once humiliated him and now she pretended to be astonished this time it was he who disdainfully sent her back to her dolls girls always tempt one on to adventures and then run away so mean she could remain he'd go alone she clung to his arm he pushed her away she hung about his neck little brother she sobbed i will follow you he allowed himself to be moved by such touching repentance come then but not through the town we may be seen we will follow the ramparts and then we can reach the highway by a cross-road and so they went 
hand in hand while george explained his plans we will follow the road we took to the hermitage and then we shall be sure to see the lake just as we did the other day and then we can cross the fields in a bee-line a bee-line is a pretty rustic way of saying a straight line and they both laughed because of the young girl's name which fitted in so oddly honeybee picked flowers along the ditches she made a posy of marshmallows white moline asters and chrysanthemums the flowers faded in her little hands and it was pitiful to see them when honeybee crossed the old stone bridge as she did not know what to do with them she decided to throw them into the water to refresh them but finally she preferred to give them to the woman without a head she begged george to lift her in his arms so as to make her tall enough and she placed her armful of wild flowers between the folded hands of the old stone figure after she was far away she looked back and saw a pigeon resting on the shoulder of the statue when they had been walking some time said honeybee i'm thirsty so am i george replied but the river is far behind us and i see neither brook nor fountain the sun is so hot that he has drunk them all up what shall we do so they talked and lamented when they saw a peasant woman approach who carried a basket of fruit cherries cried george how unlucky i have no money to buy any i have money said honeybee she pulled out of her pocket a little purse in which were five pieces of gold good woman she said to the peasant will you give me as many cherries as my frock will hold and she raised her little skirt with her two hands the woman threw in two or three handfuls of cherries with one hand honeybee held the uplifted skirt and with the other she offered the woman a gold piece is that enough the woman clutched the gold piece which would amply have paid not only for the cherries in the basket but for the tree on which they grew and the plot of land on which the tree stood the artful one replied i'm satisfied if only to oblige you little princess well then put some more cherries in my brother's cap said honeybee and you shall have another gold piece this was done the peasant woman went on her way meditating in what old stocking or under what mattress she should hide her two gold pieces and the two children followed the road eating the cherries and throwing the stones to the right and the left george chose the cherries that hung two by two on one stem and made earrings for his little sister and he laughed to see the lovely twin fruit dangle its vermilion beauty against her cheeks a pebble stopped their joyous progress it had got into honeybee's little shoe and she began to limp at every step she took her golden curls bobbed against her cheek and so limping she sat down on a bank by the roadside her brother knelt down and took off the satin shoe he shook it and out dropped a little white pebble little brother she said as she looked at her feet the next time we go to the lake 
we'll put on boots the sun was already sinking against the radiant sky a soft breeze caressed their cheeks and necks and so cheered and refreshed the two little travellers proceeded on their way to make walking easier they went hand in hand and they laughed to see their moving shadows melt together before them they sang made marian setting forth to find the mill with sacks of corn to grind her donkey jan best rode my dainty maiden marian she mounted on her donkey jan and took the millward road but honeybee stopped i've lost my shoe my satin shoe she cried and so it was the little shoe whose silken laces had become loose in walking lay in the road covered with dust then as she looked back and saw the towers of the castle of clarides fade into the distant twilight her heart sank and the tears came to her eyes the wolves will eat us she cried and our mother will never see us again and she will die of grief but george comforted her as he put on her shoe when the castle bell rings for supper we shall have returned home to clarides come the miller saw her coming nigh and could not well forbear to cry your donkey you must tether my dainty maiden marian tether you here your donkey jan who brought us twain together the lake honeybee say the lake the lake the lake yes george the lake george shouted hurrah and flung his hat in the air honeybee was too proper to fling hers up also so taking off the shoe that wouldn't stay on she threw it joyfully over her head there lay the lake in the depths of the valley and its curved and sloping banks made a framework of foliage and flowers about its silver waves it lay there clear and tranquil and one could see the swaying of the indistinct green of its banks but the children could find no path through the underbrush that would lead to its beautiful waters while they were searching for one their legs were nipped by some geese driven by a little girl dressed in a sheepskin and carrying a switch george asked her name gilberta well then gilberta how can one go to the lake folks doesn't go why because but supposing folks did if folks did there'd be a path and one would take that path george could think of no adequate reply to this guardian of the geese let's go he said farther on we shall be sure to find a way through the woods and we will pick nuts and eat them said honeybee for i am hungry the next time we go to the lake we must bring a satchel full of good things to eat that we will little sister said george and i quite agree with francor our squire who when he went to rome took a ham with him in case he should hunger and a flask lest he should be thirsty but hurry for it is growing late though i don't know the time the shepherdesses know by looking at the sun said honeybee but i am not a shepherdess yet it seems to me that when we left the sun was over our head and now it is down there far behind the town and castle of clarides 
i wonder if this happens every day and what it means while they looked at the sun a cloud of dust rose up from the high road and they saw some cavaliers with glittering weapons ride past it full speed the children hid in the underbrush in great terror they are thieves or probably ogres they thought they were really guards sent by the duchess of clarides in search of the little truants the two little adventurers found a footpath in the underbrush not a lover's lane for it was impossible to walk side by side holding hands as is the fashion of lovers nor could the print of human footsteps be seen but only indentations left by innumerable tiny cloven feet those are the feet of little devils said honeybee or dear suggested george the matter was never explained but what is certain is that the footpath descended in a gentle slope towards the edge of the lake which lay before the two children in all its languorous and silent beauty the willows surrounded its banks with their tender foliage the slender blades of the reeds with their delicate plumes swayed lightly over the water they formed tremulous islands about which the water-lilies spread their great heart-shaped leaves and snow-white flowers over these blossoming islands dragonflies all emerald or azure with wings of flame sped their shrill flight in suddenly altered curves the children plunged their burning feet with joy in the damp sand overgrown with tufted horse-tails and the reed-mace with its slender lance the sweet flag wafted towards them its humble fragrance and the water plantain unrolled about them its filaments of lace on the margin of the sleeping waters which the willow herb starred with its purple flowers end of section two